0: you have been uh, kind of paying attention to some of the international, global events and things that have been going on. Uh, you kind of have to be living under a rock to not know that Russia had invaded Ukraine and all of that type of thing. So uh, I'm just going to, I figured tonight I'd just kind of break it all down for you, tell you who the Antichrist is, when Jesus is coming back, you know, what 666 means, you know, all that. No, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I wish I could. But uh, I do think I have uh, uh, some, some scriptures that I want to share with you on that. But let's start in Acts chapter 12, verse 20. If you remember, at the beginning of Acts chapter 12, last week, what happened is that Herod killed James and then arrested Peter. Y'all remember that? And we talked about how important it is to not base our faith off of other people's experience, but to make sure that our eyes are on the Lord and that our uh, expectation on the Lord, our hope in the Lord and all of that is elevated above experience, even our own experience, because our own experience even can be deceptive. You can experience one thing and you can think it's for this reason, but actually it could be for a totally another reason. And so we don't trust our own experience. We don't trust other people's experience. We trust the Word of God above everything else. Now, our experience tells us something. It can, it can cause us to seek God more. It can cause us to go deeper into the Lord. It can cause us to ask questions to the Lord. You see that a lot of that in Scripture, right? When you read the Book of Job, you read the Psalms, you see people like David, Job, Jeremiah. They have a lot of questions for the Lord. Why is this happening? Why did you allow this? Help me understand that. That's all normal. But ultimately, the Word of God. Re- reigns supreme over that, right? Just, just because I don't understand something doesn't mean I no longer trust the Word. So I trust the Word even if I don't understand something. And that's kind of a place of just living and abiding and being that we all should be in as Christians. So that was the first part of Acts 12 with Peter. Uh, you know, Peter had, God had something totally different planned for Peter than he had planned for James, than he had planned for John the Baptist. Then he had planned for even Jesus on the cross. Then he had planned for Stephen. Those men were martyred. Peter was not. And uh, God had something different planned for him. So it's important that we don't base our faith off of other people's experience. In the second half of Acts chapter 12, now this, just remember, this, this part is there on purpose because you remember he, he kills James and now we're going to get Herod's end. We're going to see what happened to Herod and how his life Ended. So we finish with that and then pick up in verse 20. It says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. And on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. He took his seat upon the throne and he delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Now, you don't see God move like this a lot modern day, even though I do think there are a lot of things that happen that it's not readily obvious that it was God. For example, it says here that an angel of the Lord struck him down. It doesn't say that anyone saw the angel. It doesn't say that anybody actually physically saw that they just saw the results they saw him fall dead and then his body is eaten by worms whether that was instantly on the spot or whether he went into the ground and was eaten by worms you know as normal people are it doesn't tell us that but the point is the scripture is telling us that this was a judgment from God now I want to bring out a few points in reference to the situation that's going on right now in the world Russia invading Ukraine and you know Herod was here And you've got a similar situation with Rome in that they're this tremendous power. They've got vassals that are under them, they've got territories that are under them. And in their mind, they're just this big superpower, can do whatever they want, act however they want, you know. And that they they have in their mind that the power is within us, and there's not this humility of understanding that they're actually under God. And, and I don't care whether you're a Christian or not, it just if you're a world leader, period, you may or may not realize that you actually are under God and that you're submitted under God, and that's how God sees it. Now that might not be how you see it. If you're the leader of a nation and you have you don't have any humility and you only have pride and you have military strength and you have lots of, you know, money and you have lots of power, you might see it as you know, we're powerful, look what I've done, look what I've built, and I can do anything I want and no one can stop me. But how many of you know the truth is something vastly different? Because God has a say in it. God has a say in it. And we see throughout Scripture over and over again where a man thought that he had authority only for God to show him you have no authority. And you see this when Jesus was on the cross or about to be on the cross. And Pilate had that mentality. And Pilate's talking to Jesus, and he said, you know, he was offended. He said, you don't don't seem to understand. This is how Pilate's thinking. He said, you don't seem to understand the situation here. It's totally within my power to let you live or let you die, and you won't even speak to me. You won't even answer my questions. Do you not understand? It's, It's within my power that you live or die. And Jesus looked at him and said, except my Father had given you authority, you would have no authority. And that's how heaven sees it. And so man always gets into trouble when he starts thinking that he's the authority or he's the power. And I, even as Christians, we can start looking at the world stage and things happening like Russia and Ukraine, and we can think, oh, well, what if, you know, and I've heard well, what if Putin does this? What if Russia does this? What if this happens? What if that happens? Let me just tell you, when it comes to when it comes to international events, worldwide, global events, nothing's happening without God say so. You got to understand that. No, nothing's happening without God say so. Now, that doesn't mean some bad things aren't gonna aren't gonna happen. Because if you go read, if you go read Jesus's prediction about the future, he says nations will rise against nations. He says it's going to be the most difficult time on the earth. Uh, it's going to be the most you know, the hardest time on the earth that ever has been during that time. I'm not saying we're in that time, but I'm just saying when that time comes, nation rising against nation, he says, there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be, you know, disturbances, he says, which would be like hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that. There's going to be pestilences, which would be like COVID, things like that. And so, and he says, men's heart will fail them. Why? And then, and then in addition to that, he says, there'll be signs in the heavens. You know, unusual things. Things that aren't normal. And all of these things are not normal. Well, we've always seen war. We've always seen earthquakes. We've always seen tornadoes. We've always seen pestilence. So if he's talking about it being a sign for the end, it must be ratcheted up quite a bit for it to be a sign. He, he's not just saying, oh, because some people read that and they go, well, we've always seen those things. Yeah, but for it to be a sign, he's saying wars that are unusual or in a different way. Signs, you know, in the, in the heavens, signs on the earth that are taking place in an unusual way. How many of you would say 2020 was a little bit unusual? Yeah, we've all seen pestilence. Nothing quite like COVID. Nothing that like just spread worldwide like that, and shut down the whole world. That was unusual for everybody. I don't care how old you are. Every person I talked to, no matter their age, was like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It was unusual. Things like that. Things that, because after 2020, I started kind of thinking, man, anything can happen. Because a lot of things happened in 2020 that nobody thought was possible. And almost overnight it happened. Almost overnight it happened. And that's how I believe the end times are going to be. The end times are going to happen quick where everybody's saying, peace, peace. Then almost overnight, everything's changing. The world's changing. Situations are escalating. Things are happening. And a lot of people are going to be caught off guard. But how many know that the, one of the main advantages for us as believers is that we're not going to be caught off guard because we already have the Word of God that, that told us about it. And actually, the Bible says that the return of Christ will be like a thief in the night. He said, but it won't be a thief to you because you knew it and you were expecting it. You were ready. You were ready for it. Now, I have a lot of concerns for the body of Christ that even though they've heard it for decades, many are going to still be caught off guard. And I think think that it's uh, extremely important that we don't hold too tightly to our lives. That we don't hold too tightly to our standard of living, and and the things of this world, and the, our, the way that we want things to go in our life. And praise God for the American dream. Praise God for the benefits that we have living here in America. But if you hold too tightly to it, you're going to have trouble living in this time. But if you understand that this stuff is just fleeting. It's it's passing. And praise God, if it's there and I can take advantage of it, great. I'm not looking to like walk around like a pauper or anything like that. You know, if I can take advantage of the blessings, praise God. But if they all disappeared tomorrow, I'd be ready. Would you be ready? Because that's part of it. Part of the end times is that it's going to be very difficult, and for a people that is very, very used to comfort and ease, they're not going to fare very well in the end times. For, for a people that's used to everything being at the snap of their fingers and, and very easy, they're not going to fare very well uh, in the end times if we see times like the Bible has talked about. Some of y'all are looking at me funny. So let me just tell you, I'm not saying this because I think Russia or Ukraine or whatever has anything to do with it. Y'all, hopefully y'all know that. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. But but what I do know is that the Bible tells us to live ready. And the Bible tells us to pay attention to signs. And so I'm paying attention. And I'm paying attention to uh, things that happen with COVID. I'm paying attention to things that are happening on the international scene. And yes, all of these types of things are biblical in Scripture. Russia is biblical in Scripture. That Russia is going to have a part in the end time. The Bible doesn't call call it Russia, but it calls it the bear. <laughs> he, and, and the Lord knew about Russia long before it ever existed. But for believers, and just like this instance we read about with Herod in Acts 12, God's in control. You have to know that. You have to know that God has a plan. And, and there are certain parts of the plan of God that are unalterable. There are certain parts of the plan of God that... You could you could pray all day long uh, for it to turn out a different way and you're just wasting your, you're wasting your time because they're set and they were set before the beginning of time. So there's an element for us as believers of peace that we find in that knowing that our God is in control. Amen, Amen. so if if Herod and this is interesting to me too because if God, caused Herod to drop dead because people were shouting the voice of a man and not, and uh, or the voice of a God and not of a man and he caused Herod to drop dead why didn't he cause Herod to drop dead a few verses before you know before he killed James like right when he arrests James and then maybe he falls dead if I was James that would have made me feel a lot better I would kind of feel bad if I was James I get to heaven I'm like you, you you knocked him out you know a few minutes too late you know right before he took my head off it's interesting what causes God to get involved. But it's interesting that this, this passage catches my attention because it reminds me that, first of all, God is very aware. Well, let me back up. Because right now I'm reading through the Old Testament. And when you get to First Second Samuel... You know, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. It's all these stories of the kings and how they acted. You know, of course, you know King David, King Solomon, all these weird kings. can't even pronounce their name. You know, just tells their story. And after reading chapter after chapter, after a while, you can begin to predict what's about to happen. Even before it happens, you can predict what's about to happen. And it usually starts with the words that are coming out of somebody's mouth. So one king will start to say this, and then if you're reading it, you go, uh-oh, this ain't going to turn out good for him. Because after a while, you, you begin to see a pattern of people speaking boastfully, people speaking arrogantly, people, people acting as if they have the authority and they have the power, acting as if they're, contr- they're in control, and then all of a sudden God says, you're, you're not in control. I'm in control. And, and as you read through it, you begin to see that pattern. Again, you can almost predict it, like someone is is talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to act, and we'll do this to your country, and we'll do this to your nation. And then it's like, uh-oh, get ready. I don't even remember what's coming, but I could just tell something's coming. And you read it, and God, it wasn't anything. I mean, one time God sent an angel and killed 185,000 Assyrian troops overnight. Like that. So... We serve the same God. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When people were boastful and proud and arrogant and they spoke that way, it moved God to action. Because the Bible says that God opposes the proud. That he resists the proud. And even in the end times when you read about the Antichrist, that's one of his characteristics when he talks about the little horn coming up, that he says he, he spoke great things. He said, it says he spoke great things and blasphemies and great things were coming out of his mouth. He's talking about being arrogant. Uh, at, at the uh, uh, abomination of desolation that happens in the, the temple, it says that he stands in the temple and declares himself to be God. And so that's what ushers in the, the end. So you see this with Herod, and you see it with a lot of people, but you know throughout history, this, this arrogance. I mean, if you, if you study history and you look throughout history and you see it in you know Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan and Napoleon, and you see all these great Hitler, and you see these leaders that just thought no one could touch them, no one could touch their military might, their power, no one could could compete, and then typically it's very quick they're in just. Now, we don't see in the natural whether God was the cause of that or or not. But I want to read to you. And, And as Christians, we have to think the way God thinks on this. And see how God thinks. We don't need to get caught up. See, a lot of us know more about the news than we do what the Bible says about it. So you just listen to news all the time, you're going to think one way, but if you read your Bible, you're going to think another way about it. So, Acts chapter 17, I'm going to just read you a few scriptures. Acts chapter 17, verse 26, it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Isn't that funny? Because nations have thought, well, we're going to conquer this one, and we're going to take this one, and we're going to expand our boundaries. Here's what the the Word of God says: It says, actually, it's been determined and pre-appointed the time and the boundary of your nation. It's already been predetermined and appointed. You think you're the one doing it? It's been predetermined. Proverbs twenty-one, one. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. And you'll see that too in the Old Testament where, you know, the king, maybe Nebuchadnezzar or one of the powerful kings would be coming against Israel and the Lord would speak up and he'd say, don't worry about it. I'm going to put a hook in his mouth and I'm going to pull him just like this. I'm going to turn him back around. He's going to go back the same way that he came. Why? Because God is in control. And it doesn't mean that God is sovereign over every single thing that happens. It doesn't mean that he's sovereign over every single little choice that you make in your life, but I can tell you this, on the grand scheme of how this planet is going and the, the big things that are going to happen in this planet, he has a lot of say-so in it. <laughs> Let's look Daniel chapter 4. I want to show you another king that, that thought he was something, Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 4. Verse 4, if you, if you don't know a lot of kings from the Bible, you at least know Nebuchadnezzar, right? I like to call him Nebi for fun. Oh, Nebi. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. Now, he's telling this story in chapter 4. is writing this himself. Uh, and he's telling the story about how he was humbled by God. Now, you've got to understand, Nebuchadnezzar was, at one time, the most powerful person in the world. He was a ruler of Babylon, the most powerful nation in the world. He was the big shot. This is what he says in verse 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. And I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. And so this isn't the first time this happened. If you remember back to where Daniel interpreted dreams uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all of them in the beginning as well. That that happened. This is another time. And as he has this dream, he goes through the same thing where he brings in uh, all of his enchanters and magicians. And they try to interpret the dream and all that. Of course, they can't do it. So then they bring in Daniel. Verse 10. He tells Daniel, The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. This is Babylon. This is his kingdom. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade. Under it, the birds of the heavens lived in its branches. And all the flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said, "'Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches.'" "...believe the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven, let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the Holy Ones... To the end, now pay very close attention to this statement. To the end, or for the purpose that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. That statement alone, right there, ought to help us understand who God is and who we are. And I love the phrase, because in the Bible, God is given many names. You know, uh, you know God. He, he reveals Himself to Moses as the I Am. You know, He reveals Himself uh, before that to Abraham as God Almighty. But here, He calls Himself the Most High. And I love that because it's almost like He's saying to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, you're high. But I'm the most high. And you're, and men can reach a certain level, but I'm the most high. In other words, most high meaning there'll never be one higher than me. People may rise. Man may rise. Man thinks they're accomplishing things. They're moving in. They're doing this. He said, let me make you understand something. I'm the most high. And no one will ever be above me. And I think this is why arrogance bothers God so much. When a person is arrogant and they're proud and they say arrogant things and proud things and boastful things and they make threats and they do things like that, it, I think it catches the attention of heaven. And that's why you see this image of this tree that's growing, it's big, it's higher than all, it's looking over the earth. Everyone's taking shade in its branches and that's how King Nebuchadnezzar saw himself And he said, Nebuchadnezzar, let me just explain something to you. He says, I'm about to chop the whole thing down. You're going to be left nothing but a root, nothing but a stump. Until, he says, that man may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Doesn't that make you feel good to know that God's in charge? Nebuchadnezzar continues. He said, This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belshazzar, that's Daniel, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. And Daniel's upset because he knew the interpretation of the dream. And he doesn't want to tell the most powerful man in the world what he just saw, what he just realized. So it says his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. But the tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth... It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. This is the interpretation. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. Now, the decree meaning a statement that is unchanged. It is a, it is a declaration. It is a command issued straight from the throne room of God, it is unchangeable. It is a decree of the Most High. Remember that, that phrase, Most High. This is how now Daniel is referring to God. And God is having Daniel refer to him that way on purpose. Because, again, God uses many names throughout the Bible. But this, throughout this whole passage, he's trying to let Daniel know Nebuchadnezzar know, us know as future readers who he is. He is the most high. So whenever you see, <laughs> whenever you see somebody on the little stage you know of the world, and of course we're talking about Russia and, and Ukraine and that type of thing, but that's just one of uh, many, many, many that, that could be. Just remember, you serve the most high. This person may be making a big noise and doing this. You serve the most high. And here's what I like to think about. And I know this for a fact, and many of you do as well. There are many Christians in Ukraine that serve the Most High. And, and you know, praise God we get to sit here in America and we're comfortable and things like that. We're not promised that forever, you know. And many Christians that live across the world, they they have not gotten to live in peace as we have. Um, And that's not something that Christians are promised. You know, it's just... We've been lucky and blessed to live in America, but we could have been born in Ukraine. We could have been born anywhere around the world and had to serve God in a totally different set of circumstances than we have here in America. But when I think about people in Ukraine that are servants of the Most High, and they're in Ukraine... You know, I think this is one of the things that the Holy Spirit would be ministering to them right now is you serve the Most High. Don't, don't forget that. You got this person coming in, but you serve the Most High. Don't forget that. And I've thought it before of, of Christians that live in places like Iran, North Korea. There are Christians that are there. And they serve the Most High as well. And sometimes we get caught up in man's affairs... And we start thinking just like normal men. And, and we start, you know, thinking about, well, you know, the political part of it and the, the, the geographical part and the wars and the things. And, you know, what if this happens or what if America goes this way or what if America goes that way? Just, just remember that is part of your life, but that's not the biggest part of your life. You know, what happens to you as an American is not as important as what happens to you as a Christian. And who you are as an American is not as important as who you are as a Christian. Again, love my country. Love my country. Proud to be an American. But America is not my final home. America is somewhere that I'm passing through, on to somewhere much better. The Bible teaches me that my citizenship is in heaven and that this place is temporary and I'm just passing through. And with all the other Christians that are associated with what we're talking about, and they look to God as the most high. Christians in Ukraine, Christians around the world. I have more in common with them than I do another American who's not following God. Because I'm a brother and sister in Christ first with them before I am an American. And it's been said that a lot of Christians haven't realized that. That my loyalties do not, first of all, all, lie with my, uh, you know, my status as an American. My loyalties, even though I have loyalties to other Americans. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not my first loyalty. My loyalty is not to my race, not to my gender, not to my status. My loyalty is to my God, and therefore to other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where my lo- my loyalty lies first i mean it's it, there there have been nations that existed one day and pretty much didn't exist the next day <laughs> so the people of that nation still existed just but the nation itself didn't exist and what I'm saying is America's not going to always be here. America's not a forever nation America's a young nation and Man, we pray for America. I hope America continues at least during my lifetime. You know, after I'm gone, I whatever happens, okay. But, you know, I, I like living here. <laughs> but I, I want you to understand that there is a higher priority than that. And the highest priority is the plans of the most high. That's the highest priority. And the Bible says that we should be ready in season and out of season to preach the word of god live the word of god and just like those people in ukraine okay they were living one day one day and then the next day it was almost like it was a totally different nation especially the next week they were this way one way next day it was like this and if you're a christian you're you're born for that if you're a christian you're prepared for that because your identity, your being, your existence is not tied into that. I'm, I'm tied into a whole nother kingdom. I'm thinking, my, my mind, my thoughts, my views are in a, a whole other kingdom. So everything that I know and that I'm comfortable with could disappear tomorrow. And I'd still be a Christ follower. I'd still be a son of God. My eternity would still be secure and in heaven. And a lot of Christians are not used to thinking like this. Because they've done the opposite of what the Bible has said. They've made the world, this world, they've made this world their home. And everything they have is tied up in this world. And if it disappeared tomorrow, they'd be devastated. I mean, there was people when the stock market crashed. Back in the day, or even in in other times when we've had stock market crash, or big companies go under, and people had million dollars in the bank, you know, millions of dollars, and then they found out Enron was... Uh, you know, going bust or whatever, and they lose everything. They've had people take their own life. Take their life because their savings disappeared. You you were way too tied into this world. If that's what your life consisted of, you were way too tied to the things of this world. My life doesn't consist of that. Praise God for what I have. And, uh, you know, I be I'm disciplined and have habits to try and get more, but... But if it all disappeared tomorrow, my life is not tied in that. My hope, my future, my everything that I am and everything that I give is not tied into that. You go, why are you telling us all this? Because I, and I don't know if it's our generation or not, of course I have no idea, don't know that, but here's, here's what I know, the world is not going to always look the way that it does. And therefore, America is not always going to look the way that it does. It's not. Just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. There's coming a a time on the earth that the Bible, and people say, well, I'm saving money, and I'm putting them on, I'm buying gold. Well, that's good because the Bible says in the end times that you couldn't buy a loaf of bread with a brick of gold. It says all the gold and silver will be worthless. See, I can't imagine a time like that on the earth, but God says it's coming. So the way to prepare is not to stash gold (laughs) or take it all out of the stock market and put it in cash. That's That's not the way. The way is to prepare spiritually to be who you need to be as a child of God, to be who you need to be in God, to care about the things that God cares about, to be tied in with the things that God is tied into. Amen? Amen. So, Daniel begins to tell him the interpretation. He says, this is a decree from the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, You shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. So he says, this is going to happen to you until you know something, until you realize something, until you realize that Nebuchadnezzar is nobody and the Most High rules everything. So until you know that, you're going to be under this. And as it is commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know heaven rules. In other words... I'm leaving the stump because you're going to get get some of it restored when you come to this place of humility and you realize that you serve the Most High. So from the time you know that heaven rules, therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be... A lengthening of your prosperity. Isn't that amazing? God gives this vision to Nebuchadnezzar. And then he even through Daniel, he tells him. He, Daniel tells him because Daniel knows God. He knows how God is. He knows how merciful God is. He knows how forgiving God is. So he counsels Nebuchadnezzar. He says, look, if I was you, this is what I would do. I'd break off your sins, and I would start practicing righteousness. Break off your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar's writing this chapter. This is in his own words. So I guess you know he eventually repented and got everything right. It was a long road, though. Verse 28, all this came upon Nebuchadnezzar, At the end of 12 months. Isn't that amazing? He gave him 12 months to do what Daniel said. To repent. To turn from his sin. He had one year. And if you've read the Bible, you know what would have happened if Nebuchadnezzar had repented. I mean, it's just over and over again you see it in Scripture. I mean, even Jonah. You remember Jonah went to Nineveh? And he said Jonah was an interesting character. He didn't really have the heart of God very well. But he went to Nineveh, which was the capital of Babylon. He, he went to Nineveh, and they were the wicked city, you know, worst of the worst. And he preached to them half-heartedly, didn't even just preach half-heartedly. They all repented, and God relented from all the disaster that he had for them, every bit of it. And Jonah was so far from the Lord that he was mad <laughs> that they repented. And he even said to the Lord, he says, You see, this is why I didn't want to come in the first place, because I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to forgive all these people, and it makes me mad. Yeah, Jonah needed to get saved himself. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. That's significant, because he had 12 months to make things right. The end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king... Answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And you see, that's one of those moments that I was talking about where you could be reading in Scripture and you go, uh-oh, I know what's coming next. <laughs> Listen to those words again. Remember, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth right. speaks. He says, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Essentially, he lost his mind completely. That's what God said would happen. But you see this in the Bible both ways. People that were super low, lowest of the low, Joseph's in prison, slave, snap of the fingers by God, they're all the way at the top. You see the opposite. People all the way at the top, untouchable, basically unlimited power and authority, snap of the fingers all the way at the bottom. It's not hard for God, it's not hard for God to do, so when we see things going on on the world stage, that's how we should pray, that's how we should believe, that's how we should see it, everything should be filtered through that, wait a minute, I serve the most high. And whatever's going on on the world stage, whatever's going on the national stage, whatever's happening in Ukraine, whatever's happening in America, I serve the Most High. And as a child of the Most High, I should be thinking, believing, feeling a certain way that ought to be different than the way the regular world feels and thinks about it. I mean, we're not to be walking around in fear, walking around in dread, walking around in, in terror, you know. And things could get a lot. worse. it's not even close to home at the moment. But I'm just saying, what 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 if things changed? So, what does that does that change that He's the Most High? I mean, if if something changed and things get get worse, or imagine Christians around the time of World War II when you're at the beginning of these things and you're watching nations rise against nation and you're watching the world stage change and things are coming a little closer to home and and you're you're seeing that develop you know should that change how how we the peace that we have as believers should it should it change well not really not not when we know that God is the most high and when we know that he's on the throne and that he has a plan and that he gives the kingdom of men to whom he will as he sees fit. No. I, again, I think the issue is that for many American Christians, you know, we've never walked through something like that of this generation. And we're used to a certain level of peace and enjoyment and comfort that a lot of the other Christians around the world are not used to. And all I'm saying is, and I've been preaching this for several years now, even even pre-COVID, a couple years before COVID, this, this urgency and this sense of, you know, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. But to live ready, live prepared for whatever God has. And how do you do that? Well, the Bible says to stay sober, to not be asleep. In other words, don't be be drunk on the spirit of this world. Don't be be lured into, into sleep and drowsiness by the spirit of this world. But to stay awake, remind yourself with the word of God. Remind yourself by coming to church who you are, who God is, what your purpose is. You're not called to just live a life of pleasure. Americans love it, but that's not our call. We can have it, we can have pieces of it, but if, if your life is for that, and your life is all about that, you're going to be disappointed, and you're not going to be ready when, when we go through difficult times, if we go through difficult times. Now, every time I say that, I have to say, do I expect that that's going to happen? I don't know, I, I mean, probably not. But that's not the point because the Bible teaches us to live ready and live prepared and live with a soldier's mindset regardless. And I almost think that it takes more effort and more discipline to live with a soldier's mindset when there's nothing going on. I mean, if you were in the middle of it, you'd be forced by your circumstances to live ready. But I think it takes even more discipline and more passion and more focus to say, you know what, I'm going to live sharp, I'm going to live ready, I'm going to live sober, because the Word of God tells me to, and because I want to be useful for God. And if you live that way and things change, well, then you're ready, and you're not caught off guard. But I can tell you, there are a lot of Christians that are going to be caught off guard because they're, they're half in, and they're, they're drunk on the spirit of this world, and they live every day for pleasure, and they live every day for self. And that's going to cost them at a certain point. The Bible teaches that when things change, it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. That's why it gave us the parable of like the ten virgins. They had oil. They all all had a measure of oil. They're all going out. They're all waiting. They're all expecting the return. Only five were truly ready and truly made it. Why? Because the others were not really prepared. They thought they were prepared, but they weren't. And there's a lot of believers that are like that. They've sat in services exactly like you're sitting in now. And they've heard sermons and they've maybe even read it and seen it in the Word of God themselves. But at some point it becomes dull on their ears. Because they've heard it and they've heard it and they've heard it and nothing changes. And they don't change. And then what's going to happen? Well, it'll catch them like a thief in the night, the Bible says. And I think there's this tendency to, when you've heard something, 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 something, and you don't see it, then to ignore it or to become numb to it or to become dull to it. But I see that same pattern in the Scripture. I see the same pattern in the Scripture where Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah, they prophesied, this is coming. You better get ready. This is coming. The mercy of the Lord is not going to last forever. You need to pay attention And they give the instruction, and they give the examples, and they give the sermons, and they lay it out over and over and over again, book after book, year after year. And people ignore it, and they say, well, we've heard that all before. And then suddenly, it changes. And there's a huge group of people that's not ready because they never made any adjustments, they never made any changes along the way. So this is what I'm I'm wanting you to... See, as a believer, when something happens on the world stage, like we're seeing right now with Russia and Ukraine, never, you should never watch that passively. You should never see that and just go, oh, that's nothing, you know, this kind of stuff happens all the time. No, the reason why you you shouldn't watch passively is because your Bible tells you to look for certain signs. Your Bible tells you when you see nation rise against nation that your ears should perk up. And you go, well, again, you say, well, we've seen that all the time. That's fine. I I didn't say panic. I didn't say sell everything you have and go build a bomb shelter. You're right. We've all seen it all before. It's happened all. I, I get it. I'm just saying, when you see it, I want you to see it through the lens of the Word of God. When you hear it and you see the news... And and you hear people talking about it. I don't want you to just hear what the news commentator is saying. I want you to filter it through the word of God and what you know about the Bible. That the Bible tells us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise against nation. It's one of the signs that we should be looking for. So when we see it, we don't just go back to sleep. When we see it, we go, wait a minute. Let me pray. Wait a minute, what is this? Let me pray. Is something happening? Is this more than just normal? Is there something to this? Do I need to spend more time in prayer? Do I need to hear from God on this? Do I need to set some things aside and focus on the Lord? So when we see it, we don't just see it the way the world sees it, just passively, oh, well, just, you know, one more piece of news. No, we we perk up our spiritual ears and we go, what is this? What's happening? Let me pray. Why? Because I have to be ready and I have to be prepared. And for those of you that are parents, you have to be prepared for more than just yourself, but your own kids, for your church, for your community, for the world. And I look at this like, well, if there's nothing to it and everything's just going to go back to normal, that's That's fine. But before any major event, there's you know little training drills that happen. And if you treat the training drills like they're nothing, then you're not going to be ready in the real thing. So, again, how do we know? Because isn't there going to be one generation that sees something happen, and that is the end? that That is the thing that the, this, the, is setting the events in motion? Isn't there going to be one generation that sees that? And if if when they see it, they're like us, they just go back to sleep and they say, oh, well, there's nothing to it. or There's no big deal. We're not worried about it. We're, just, you know, we're safe over here in America and everything's going to be fine. Yeah, but that it's not always going to be like that. So the wise thing for us to do is to be in tune spiritually with what God is doing and just keep our spiritual ears tuned in to what God is doing. And when we i mean sometimes i wonder what what will it take to wake up a group of people because if covid didn't slap you in the face i mean if if that event that worldwide shut the world down event didn't at least catch your attention and i don't mean from a natural standpoint i mean from a spiritual standpoint to go wow look at how things can happen overnight globally and if that can happen then a lot of the things I'm seeing in Scripture can happen. How, you know, the Antichrist comes and takes over in the, in the world, and the whole world's changing, and the whole world's basically at war, and that that can happen. So please understand, far from it. Okay, I am not like an alarmist, like freaking out. Oh, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine, I'm freaking out. Not not at all. I don't. You know that, that kind of stuff I'm like you most time you see stuff on the news you're like oh yeah someone else is at war what's what's new you know but I'm st- what I'm saying is when you see that I, I do think there is a a fault in that though because I think when you see stuff going on spiritually we have to pay attention and 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 hear from the lord what is this and how do we respond as a church how do we respond as Christians how do we stay on alert for what god is doing Amen So, Nebuchadnezzar, the word of the Lord comes to pass. He grows out eagle's feathers. He loses his mind, basically. Three times in the passage, we read, Until you know, until you figure out, until you get the revelation that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He wills, you're going to stay in this this position. When I read this, I kind of think that Nebuchadnezzar actually got off easy. Because if you go read about Pharaoh in Exodus, he had the same problem that uh, old Nebi did, but it didn't turn out like that. He had a much worse time of it than Nebuchadnezzar did. Verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven... My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. Now Nebi knows who the Most High is. He learned his lesson. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. He realized who the Most High was, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Let me just tell you. For Nebuchadnezzar to begin proclaiming this, I want you to imagine Vladimir Putin saying this. Okay, I want you to imagine Vla- Vla- Vladi saying this. Okay, I bless the Most High, and praise and honor Him who lives forever, for His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? If you're ever humbled by God, this is how it comes out on the other end. Just, Lord, you're, you're the most high. And I surrender, I repent. All my arrogance, all my blasphemy, all of my you know, bloating, all of it is nothing. You are the Most High. Job figured that out. Nebuchadnezzar figured that out. Belshazzar figured that out with the finger writing on the wall. Pharaoh figured that out. And modern day, people will figure that out too. Verse 36, at the same time, my reason returned to me And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. Look at the mercy of God. As soon as he repented and realized who was the most high, he returned everything to him. My majesty, splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, <laughs> he is able to humble. <laughs> so Nebuchadnezzar became a follower of the Lord. And when he repented and, and he humbled himself, God returned everything back to him. And he says, and even more was added to me. That, that just shows you right there God's heart for humanity. And God's heart for people that is not really to punish. is to get you to the place where you could have this and more. But you'd be a blessing to yourself and others around you. It doesn't have to end like this. And that's not God's heart. Even for people... Like Putin, like any, like Hitler, like anyone. That's, God, that's not God's plan for them to end in destruction. It's, there, it's God's heart that they would repent and that they would return back to him.